morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Rhubarb episode 23. I'm Max Wood, and I'm joined by Mr. Jonathan Carley. Hi, everybody. Hello, Jonathan. <laughs> um, so today we're going to be having a little chat about Baby Driver, the latest film from Edgar Wright. Um, spoiler free at first, then we're going to get into some spoilers later and some other nonsense. Um, before anyone says anything, just a little bit uh, of background on this film. Just do, We'll just do the blurb from IMDb, which is, uh, After being coerced into working for a crime boss, a young getaway driver finds himself taking part in a heist doomed to fail. And that is Baby Driver. In um, so, so, Johnny, kick off, what do you think? Okay, uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I loved this movie. I was not expecting to, because this isn't really my uh, favourite genre or anything like that. This isn't the, the, the kind of film I'd instinctively uh, to uh, go and watch or consider a must-see. But I was very, very pleasantly surprised. I'm really glad you uh, uh, suggested we see this. Yeah, I, I had to uh, kind of force you to watch it a little bit. I was pestering you a few times. A little, I, th- I think it's just more that I didn't know much about it, and then reviews started to trickle in, and I was hearing really positive things. So I thought, okay, there's there's something to this. Let's give it a shot. Uh, and there really is something to it. It's it it um, goes above and beyond what you'd expect of um, you know sort of the the poster art. Really, there's a lot more to this film. Um, it's got real heart to it it's got real craftsmanship to it and it 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 shows over the course of the movie and everything comes together um in a way that is just it's really quite beautiful and it it doesn't often happen in a film it's that you know neatly knit together it was a great combination of of story of casting cinematography um editing and soundtrack and um, everything else with it as well. So much tension. It had everything that like Alien Covenant didn't, <laughs> and, my, and my expectations couldn't have been any more reversed with those two films. So yeah, absolutely loved it, loved it, loved it. Cool. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it as well. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, I've, I'm gonna have to say my probably my favorite phrase of the podcast, which is uh, "Don't watch the trailer." Um, this is a, this is a classic well, I, example of I why not to watch the trailer. I would agree because I didn't see the trailer going into this, and yeah. um, so I didn't. I'm not sure whether it's that I had low expectations or just no expectations at all. Because that's I the think, best kind. If you think about no this kind of movie, the thing that's immediately going to spring to mind as a comparison is probably Fast and the Furious. Uh, I think Drive. If, if you, I don't know if you've seen Drive, but there are some similarities. I've seen some of it. And had to turn it off because it got a bit messy. <laughs> <laughs> what for you or uh, for me, Ryan Gosling? But well, both. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's a fair comparison. This this fall, falls more in that drive category of, uh, of of the kind of spin it puts on this uh, on this type of film. Uh, it's um, like I said, it's got more to it, a lot more thought put into it, and it's not just schlocky, schlocky, action, action, action. Um, it's a lot more... You know, it's what... it's what th- The action is symptomatic what's going on behind rather than driving what's going... Well, no pun intended, <laughs> rather than driving what's going on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's. Yeah, totally. I think that's probably the main difference in why it worked for me. 
Yeah, I think for the trailers, just go back to the trailer for a second. I I watched them. I watched two of them um, this morning, and they just they just show everything. I mean, obviously it's easy having seen the film, but it's it's in chronological order of what happens in the film. Just tell the trailer what the story is. Yeah, it just gives you away a bit too much. And the best jokes in the trailer, mm. and some of the best car moments are in the trailer as well. It's well. Just, just, you know, just don't watch it. A slight tangent here, but do you think that's because this is just a sort of standalone, you know, directorial passion oh, project yeah. rather than a franchise piece? It's like, okay, Ab- absolutely, yeah. we're bringing this they... out, we want it to make some money, so we'll just tell you what it is. If you like what you see on the tin, then you probably won't be disappointed, although in doing that, you probably, but you might be disappointed from having it all blown for I... you. I totally agree. Yeah, I think they definitely had to market this this film to try and make sure that they made back as much money as possible. Um, I was going to say I don't know why they didn't sort of go with the angle of from the same guy that brought you Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim, World, The World's End. I mean, I think I can see not the same why. kind of film. Yeah, that, but, that's probably why. But then yeah. again, they marketed Star Trek Beyond last year by saying it's directed by Justin Lin, director of the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> you couldn't get any more different. Um, but I think perhaps, like with some of the, the those other movies that Edgar Wright has done, are usually uh, more edging towards comedy or definitely yes. very strongly tongue in cheek, which this is a slight shift away from. It does still have that tongue in cheek aspect and that little quirkiness about it but it is largely played more straight so i can understand why um they perhaps didn't want to make those connections and also it's been a while since those films have come out yeah it's been a few years but i, I mean everyone loves hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead and i yeah. think scott and, pilgrim and, has some similarities being well, how, scott given pilgrim how music a huge is. success was it I'm not sure. I recall I'm it really being a sure. bit of a flop. I may be wrong, but that's what I remember at the time. Um, but also, um, like Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead are British films, which do have mixed success in the US. So again, that may factor in. Um, but at the end of the day, it comes down to marketing. I could, I could totally understand whether it's Edgar Wright's own choice to say. Don't put my name on the on the on the trailer. Um, yeah, but then again, we Won't have mentioned about um, you know, films being you know, a lot older that may not not necessarily be relevant. Pixar's still pulling the Toy Story makers offline, so <laughs> that doesn't necessarily uh, <laughs> uh, always apply. Um, uh, but, you you were right, by the way. It was quite a big flop. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't I know that. I saw it in the cinema. Well, I seem totally to recall movies. that happening, but having watched it myself, and we are going on a bit of a tangent here, I, I did actually like it more than I thought I would. Um, but yeah, that's Scott Pilgrim debate for another time. <laughs> <laughs> but one uh, uh, little detail yeah. I did pick up on about the release on this film is in the US showing in um, it's showing in about three thousand theaters. Transformers is showing in four thousand. So. It, the the odds are stacked against it here. I wouldn't That's be surprised. Still a fair Baby, number, though. It's still a fair number, but I wouldn't be surprised if Baby Driver just gets drowned. No, no, I don't think so. I think it's picking up uh, so many good reviews, and it's getting a lot of good word of mouth. I think. Oh yeah, think it will definitely be a moderate. Gonna success, do well, but I don't think it will be um, a big 
financial success. Well, the, the budget was uh, forty million apparently, which is half of what Scott Pilgrim was. Yeah, that's not a big and... budget for the kind of film we've got here. Exactly, yeah. So I think there's a good chance they'll make the money back at least. Um, I spent, well, Scott Pilgrim made forty something back uh, out of an eighty budget. So you know, I, th- I think they're going. It's going to be good anyway, which is great because we want to see more original films exactly like this. Yeah, I think that one, so... one trend that we're noticing is that it's the lower budgeted films that seem to be doing that. It seems to be impressing us at least a lot more. Yeah, um, and it makes sense. You, they're just doing more original things, you know. People don't want to take risks on a you know two hundred million dollar budget. They'd rather play it safe, which is also the same as hmm. making the same movie. Or do do you yeah. think that also um, leads to directors and producers trying harder to make what they've got work rather than just throwing money at it? Yeah, with a smaller budget. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. I think. Well, I think this this is his film. You know, yeah. and he's it, obviously it is, been it is definitely really hard. his passion project because we were just saying before we started recording, uh, this script. Edgar Wright has been working on this script for sixteen years between nineteen ninety five <laughs> and twenty eleven. It's like my god, and it's only just being made now in twenty seventeen. So it's been in production for the best part of twenty years. Well, not in production, but in development for twenty years. That's yeah, insane. I do. I really. Do have respect for Edgar Wright? Um, something we we were also chatting about was uh, when he he walked away from Ant Man, and uh, he, at the time he was quoted saying that he wanted to make a Marvel movie, but they didn't want to make an Edgar Wright movie. But can you imagine being in that position? Because you know he's he's not made any massive budget films, and then he has the potential to direct Ant Man. Um, I still he still has a writing credit, I believe. And then he walks away from it because it's not his vision. I mean, that's got to be a really tough choice, hasn't it? Yeah, I can. Oh, I can. We can only speculate as to, like, yeah, he's given his official line, but we can only speculate as to the like the real nitty gritties of the uh, reasons for walking away. I suspect that perhaps. Do you think Marvel would have had too tight a grip over what was going on? I think from what we've heard about the other films, I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, because um, it is... The Marvel um, Studios is a machine, uh, for want of a better word. They, it, It's done by... Not by the numbers. They're, they're, they're consistently good, but the reason for that is it comes as a trade-off because the the high-ups, the, um, the committees, uh, they have such a strong grasp of its audience and what worked and what didn't. So they just kind of, I don't want to beat on Marvel movies because they are consistently good movies, but they they almost don't surprise anymore because they are consistently good because they kind yeah, of totally. rewrite, the, they, they kind of retread a similar formula. Um, Absolutely. And perhaps if Edgar Wright had been given more free reign, maybe it could have been absolutely outstanding. I mean, Ant-Man was good, don't get me wrong. Uh, maybe it could have been better if Edgar Wright was on it, but at the same time, if it w- if he was put in that position of he has a vision, Marvel has a vision, you have this like ballpark, don't wander out of that because we're not familiar with that territory. We're putting a lot of money into this. We want to get a lot of money back. Um, and if anything does go wrong, we'll just throw money at it and make it better. That speculation 
no, I'm not saying this, that that's particularly what happened, but I think that's what could have happened, or the situation Edgar Wright could have been in. So yeah, and um, I think he made a good choice by going and doing this instead. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, I just thought it was interesting that he was in that situation. Apparently, he's never seen Ant Man either, and he never wants to watch it. <laughs> Which is yeah, I think that's fair enough. Uh, but going back to uh, the film. <laughs> Oh, we actually came here to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, some really great characters in the film, uh, oh, yeah. and really great cast as well, actually, mm-hmm. um, which totally surprised me because I didn't know anything about the film until I saw it. Um, you know, John Hamm, Jamie Fox, Kevin Spacey, um, Flea was in the film from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Sort of t- didn't didn't realize it was him until afterwards. He has a habit of doing that. I keep seeing him in things and then not realising it's him. <laughs> we also had um, John Berthnell as uh, yes. one of the, the Punisher from Daredevil as uh, as Griff in the opening um, opening scene. Sadly, we don't see much more of him, but then he was probably going in yeah. Daredevil. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, even the small characters have a lot to them. And I think yeah, I'm reluctant to say that's the, th- the best bit about the movie because... It's almost like every bit is the best bit about the movie, but characters is definitely one of its strongest suits, um, and you know, everything comes together so superbly. Even the, the smaller parts, like Griff, like I just mentioned, um, yeah, and you could go uh, on forever with these uh, with these characters, depending on what direction it it it, it went it went in. So yeah, we definitely talk a little bit about the editing and the soundtrack. Yes, because um, that's something that stands out for me. On yeah, this film. I I've heard um, that this film has been almost subversively branded as a musical uh, because of its usage of soundtrack and editing and 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 timing as well. Um, I'm a bit on the fence as whether to put it in that, in that category, but I think. I think one of the things that makes it, things that makes it stand out is that it doesn't fall neatly into either ca- categories. It has aspects, but this is like something new and something inventive. It's almost having its cake and eating it and taking those aspects that it wants to use, putting them in there to best tell the story that it wants to tell rather than being all one way or all the other. Yeah. Uh, because there are very think... clever things that it does. Uh, like with timing, like for example, there's a a shot that really stuck out in my mind was when there's a song playing and the machine gun fires to the um, the beats of that song, which is just a small little moment. But I thought, oh, that's brilliant. that's brilliant. <laughs> yes, there was so many really fantastic bits like that, that, just beautifully edited in time with the music. It was just so charming. It just fit the film perfectly. It, really was. it was just having. Like we said Edgar Wright films tend to be a bit tongue in cheek. It wasn't so much tongue in cheek, but it was just having fun with the uh, with the concept and the idea. It's like, okay, yeah, it's chaos, but what if we give it a little bit of order and a little bit of melody, and do it this way? <laughs> and it is just so. It is. I'm gonna say it's, it. It is beautiful to watch and to hear. Yeah, I think um, what you were saying before about be, it may, maybe being considered musical, and uh, it sort of had me thinking about. It's maybe more of a musical than perhaps Guardians of the Galaxy and Drive in the yeah. way that the soundtrack is a big part, but the soundtrack is it's so, part, so it's much more part, entwined. Yeah, it is. Um, 
yeah that is the word entwined because it's um it's all in it's all diegetic music it's all as uh, our characters hear it or at least as how how baby hears it um and yet that kind of um influences the 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 pace and it's it's actually referenced in the scene that's that's why baby listens to the music he finds the right track for the scene he's almost got his own in, internalized soundtrack and that then intrudes onto the external action it influences onto the external action uh in a really fascinating way uh more so than like like we said guardians of the galaxy and drive it's 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 there but it doesn't directly uh affect or influence what is happening as such it might give it a particular energy but it won't be like beat for beat kind of thing and i think the scene where this most um this is most prevalent is not the opening sequence but the t- the titles sequence where baby's going to get coffee um because that is him on his own just going out for coffee and it's played out as uh, a direct musical sequence uh even to the extent where lyrics of the song start appearing on the scenery around him uh which i thought was really really clever but that yeah that's that's the peak of what it does and it just sets the tone going forwards and like i said it all just dovetails so wonderfully it's graceful i just i, I really love how um how baby uh, ansel elgort um he, how he plays the character because it's it's like 75 percent cool yeah. and then 25 percent awkward slash uncool almost mm. and i don't know how he does it I th- but he absolutely nails it. It's a very, very, very well-judged and clever performance because he embraces stillness when he's with characters that he is wary of. It's like, when in doubt, do nothing. And it's when he's forced out that he becomes awkward. Um, but sometimes he does have some really great zingers and put-downs when like, people challenge him. Like, for example, when um, Griff takes his sunglasses, he just whips out another pair of sunglasses. Like, that could have really been really, really stupid or really, really cool. And I think it just about falls into really, really cool. Um, but <laughs> yes. there are moments where he's put on the spot and it, 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 he does um, get a bit flustered. Uh, but when he, is co- when he is confident and in his own comfortable environment, uh, in, t- in two areas when he's driving and when he's at home or alone when he's at home or alone he's so light on his feet it's incredible it's like you just expect him to take off and fly out the window like uh, Michael <laughs> Keaton in Birdman um, but also when he's driving he's so light at the wheel that he can do all this mind bending graceful driving and stuff yes those um, sequences were fantastic as well yeah. I really love some of those car sequences. All practical effects and all practical driving sequences, which I have to applaud because they could have just said, we'll just do it in CGI. But no, they did it for (laughs) real. They did it for real and it shows. It gives it so so much more energy and realism and tension for all the the sequences that they do uh, behind the wheel. um, It just has so much more of an impact because it feels so much more consequential. And also you've got actual reactions as well <laughs> like you've got uh, in the opening scene you've got John Ham and John Hamm and uh, and um, 
and John Berthnell and um, Eliza Gonzalez in the back of the car and they're driving up and they're just getting thrown around and it's like a mix a mix of what the hell's going on here and also this is awesome yeah. and you can see it on like John Ham's face he's got a grin from ear to ear because he's so uh, amazing um, <laughs> but yeah that's all all for real and you just get a better performance out of that you can't deny that you put him on a green screen you'd only get a fraction of that totally um, what, else, what else is there to say um, uh, to come back to the uh, title sequence again this is another example of how the film utilises long unbroken takes because that whole title sequence I think is more or less one take which is amazing but there's a lot of that later on as well you probably don't notice it because it's so fluid um, and I think it's usually in the scenes where um, where baby is dancing around the camera just moves all, again almost as a dance around him uh, it's so fluid it's and it's so it's just done in one constant motion and it's just great to watch and absolutely you, like I said you don't notice it but that just shows how right a choice it was if it had been intercutting from different cameras it would have broken it up and you you wouldn't have got the same feel from those actions and those motions um, and it's it serves as a contrast for later on when um, it all goes crazy and everything is all cut up but then we have um, and I suppose we're getting are we getting into spoilers here should we just do the spoiler warning now uh, I mean, if we're going to get into spoilers properly then we're going to we're, okay. we're going to do it I'll, I'll do so, a um, well, okay do you want to finish off what you're saying before spoilers yeah. or subtle spoiler warning before spoilers <laughs> when um, at the at the um, final act of the film where well, basically, it's all gone mad, uh, and Baby is on the run. A lot of unbroken takes there, like for example, where um, you know, he goes into a shop and uh, puts on, he, he pinches a jacket and a pair of sunglasses. That's all one motion, all done round the shot, and then he does all this. It's almost like parkour. I nearly leant over you and shouted, "Parkour, stunting." <laughs> 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 But yeah, a lot of those running sequences were all done as one as one, one piece, and um, yeah, it's a great effect, absolutely amazing. So uh, okay, let's let's get into spoilers then. Um, so this is your five second warning for spoilers. Uh, if you stay through those minor spoilers, spoilers for the film Baby Driver. Here we go. Okay, what was that? Um. Oh, well, yeah, there's some spoilers, I guess. Kind of everyone gets killed, sort of. <laughs> yeah, not not quite Rogue One style um, but no. it, it does get a bit brutal, uh, it has to be said. that The whole deal with the climax is that, yeah, it all goes wrong um, because we've, well, we've got two strong contrasts. We've got Bats, who played by Jamie Foxx, who we haven't mentioned yet, um, who is a great character, absolutely amazing character because he is absolutely unhinged and completely devoid of conscience uh utterly ruthless and uh, unpredictable and capricious like he he actually kills someone just for some gum which is <laughs> yeah. yeah he was a great character 
he really was uh, and he's his lack of conscience is really what brings home baby's conscience because in the job that they're going to do at the post office um it's seeing the clerk that is uh, coming in to do her shift um because baby and uh, doc's nephew uh, go into case the joint uh, the day before and you know this this clerk is just doing a job she's quite sweet and then he sees her the following day walking towards uh, the post office and he just he puts his like windscreen wipers on max and he just shakes his head as if not to go in <laughs> and it's that um attack of conscience that you know, throws off the pace of the whole thing and um yeah and and that's the thing that comes back to redeem him in the end as well um and we see some court scenes later after he's been arrested mm-hmm. and you know the, these kind of character witnesses come in and, and say about how he, he seemed like he was a, g- a good guy you know trying to do the right thing as he did in that situation yeah um, he he was obviously he he was in way over his head because as we know doc said you've been my driver for ever since i first met you and i don't use people like that before so this is a long running situation but at the end of the day baby isn't a bad person he isn't one of these criminals like bats or even um like um like buddy john ham's character he's just he's pretty much been blackmailed into into doing what he's got to do and pressured into doing what he's got to do uh-huh. and he is he is the conscience of the group that uh that causes it to go a bit off the rails and um yeah. And he, uh, he, he, his, his, his actions speak loud, louder than words. Like he, he's in court. He has to give his testimony or whatever. But it's the fact that he does these little things. Like he throws back this woman's purse, and he just has his look. He, he's just trying yes. to. He knows either the police are going to shoot him by for being involved with these other people. They're going to shoot him on sight, or um, Buddy's going to shoot him for, for. Um, for messing the whole thing up or doc's going to shoot him for the same reason so he's just trying to get to a safe space and make sure no one he cares about gets hurt and um it's the fact that he does these things like he takes his foster father to uh to a care home with all this and just stuffs him with all this money that he's been saving over the years um some really nice moments really nice scenes with his foster father actually really like that oh yeah and because his they they are able to do a lot of interesting stuff with it because he's deaf. Yes. Um. So it's all played out with sign language. So the fact that baby has learned to do sound sign language and is it's actually mentioned that the roles are reversed that he's now looking after his foster father rather than the other way around. Um. It's just really really lovely, and you know, they bond together over the music. But even though he's deaf, he listens to the vibrations, and a lot of great little. Uh, it's a great little um. I'm reluctant to call it a subplot, but a great little addition to complement everything else that is going on, uh, especially to do with like sound and lack thereof. Um, because another thing that, that drives Baby, or the re- reason that motivates him to listen to this music, is that he suffers from tinnitus, or um, as uh, <laughs> as Doc calls it, tinnitus. <laughs> um, so he, he uses that to drown it out to concentrate, and when that's when that goes that's where he starts making mistakes as we see in the heist uh, moment because uh, his iPod gets smashed um, 
But talking of the ending and the and the court stuff, even though like people testify and say, yeah, he's as character witnesses say he must have been a good person for for whatever reason. Considering that he's been involved in a long-running like crime ring as a driver, uh, has well as a result therefore got a history of dangerous driving. Um, shot John Ham, killed John Ham by pushing him off a, a multi-story car park. Uh, endangered lives on multiple other occasions. He's out of prison in five years. <laughs> I only think that was a bit. He should be in there for life, realistically. <laughs> was is that was that what you wanted to talk about regarding yeah, that, the ending? That, that was my nitpick about. Yeah, he shouldn't be getting out of there. I get that it was kind of laid down to make way for a happy ending, but really, he shouldn't be getting out of there anytime soon. Uh, even at the twenty-five year sentence that they say, with five years, um, with parole after five years, seems quite lenient. Um, yeah. So that 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 was my only like nitpick, but I, I'm aware there's no no point like quibbling over things that didn't happen. That's how it yeah. plays out, but. See, my confusion, my confusion with the ending was that um, I wasn't sure whether he was let out or not. But I think looking back, he he was, um, and it was it was oh, the grade you, of it of the scene. It was in it was black like, and white. Did you think it was a fantasy like a romantic, dream? Yeah, romantic yes, in, yeah, mood. yeah. Because I, it was weird. Like it, it wasn't quite realistic. Yeah, I could see what it was alluding to as well because. And again, and this is another part that we haven't really discussed yet, is the romantic subplot with um, Deborah, played by Lily James. Um, it is romantic in the old-fashioned sense of the word, in that you know she's a <laughs> she's a waitress not working a cocktail bar, but in a, a waitress working in an old American diner, um, yeah. and he falls in love with her voice, and he sees her like floating around the around uh, the city. And um, and one of the things that we got, you and I both got a little bit confused by was when he actually gets to speak to her. She walks in the diner, goes out the back, and then she's back and she's taking his order. There's just this sudden like jump cut to her being there, and we thought, it, is is this the same person? Um, but yeah, I, I was really confused by that. I think it was kind of hinting at that kind of um, almost love at first sight type thing in like okay she's gone he's daydreamed and then she's back and he's back in the room but they have this romantic fantasy of um you know basically going on the run and driving off into the sunset together um and not only that baby being almost like the romantic anti-hero and you know putting his up life on the line to save hers um so i think that is kind of what it was building up to but in prior to the the very ending it's all very real it's all very gritty this this is happening this isn't like the fantasy stuff they don't get to drive off into the sunset until they do pretty much i think is what it's yeah. trying to suggest or at least that's what thought, i'm taking away from it i thought the whole uh, romance plot was a bit um sort of one-sided a bit um i'm not sure the word a bit bit cliche, cliche one-sided okay. kind of you know, there wasn't much depth to it, but I thought it really fit with the film. I've seen some criticism of that, um, of the romance plot, but I thought it was nice. You know, it didn't have to be really complex. I, I yeah, Stop. I agree. 
flowed with the film. And I think, like you said, the way they pitched it, I think they... I don't want to say get away, but yeah, they get away with doing it the way they did by putting the, the whole old-fashioned romantic angle on it. Because uh, it's... Um, the story... The story at the heart of it is nothing new. Boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl, boy gets involved with the wrong crowd, girl is in, uh, girl is then at risk. Uh, so, and similarly, when um, when they go on the run at the end, like um, they've uh, they've pushed John Ham off the multi-story car park, he is now toast. And they go on the run. I thought, is this going to be the end? Is this how it ends? She's driving him, and they're going to make it and just go on the run forever. But no, they pulled it back. So it kind of yeah. it subverted those expectations, and I'm glad that they did that. It actually showed some some consequences. I don't know. I'm still a bit unsure. I'm, I'm not sure whether I like the ending or not yet, because I would have kind of liked that as well. You know, if they did, they just there, drive there off. Di- there are different ways they could have done it. I think the way they did it was done well. I'm not sure if the other ways could have been better or worse. There are a lot of worse ways they could have done it. Um, but I think this... I was I was satisfied. I was 90% satisfied. <laughs> okay, so what would you give the film out of five stars, Johnny? Out of five stars? I would probably give it a four and a half to five. Nice. Mainly nice. because I can't... Looking at it, I can't really say in good authority what could have been done better. Uh, and yeah. there's nothing that really stands out as saying, I didn't like that bit. It all came together as a coherent, entertaining whole. And it's one of the most enjoyable films I've seen in a while, uh, especially considering it's not a genre that I would typically go out and watch. You know, it kind of pressed buttons that I didn't even know I had. Um, so. Yeah, I was you know, really, really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. And I was on the edge of my seat for a large proportion of it, um, which just goes to show how affecting it was. Other people may have different experiences, but for me, I, um, yeah, can't really say, can't really praise it enough. Yeah, I, I think I give it four stars, uh, four out of five. I, I kind of want to see it again. I've got it ordered on Blu ray already. Um, probably going to come back to it and see what I think then because I, mm-hmm. I'm i just sort of reminded a little bit of Scott Pilgrim that I absolutely loved the first time I saw it and then I bought it on Blu-ray and uh, really couldn't get into it the second time around. Really? But, uh, okay. Yeah, really weirdly so. Don't, don't know why. knowing what's coming? Or? Quite possibly, yeah. Especially with such a sort of quirky film, you know, maybe it's one of those where... Yeah, when you know, when you know where in. the beats are going to be yeah. the time around. Yeah, I can sort of see that now, actually. But then again, but I guess I that's, that's why, like you, like you say, you avoid the trailers, so you don't know what's what's going on. Um, yeah. If you watch the whole film, then yeah, you know, you're going to know what's going to go on, and it's going to taint your enjoyment of the uh, of the of the whole. So, but for for me, for now, it's um, a strong contender. But uh, it it may have diminishing returns if you watch it too often, perhaps. So, but sure. it's going to be one that I think is going to be rewarding if you come back to it every few years. Or so. Yeah, certainly one of the it's best films we've seen this year. Yeah, and I hope it does it at least get nominated for something at the Oscars and awards season next year. Yes, it would be an injustice if it doesn't. I mean, I'm sure it will, but because it's so far away, 
uh, and for that reason alone um, obviously you know if it doesn't come out in Oscar season obviously it tends to get overlooked which mm, is a shame but we'll see yeah hopefully it does get some nominations hopefully in the sound categories um, but that, yeah that's our that's our review of Baby Driver um, is there anything else you want to chat about? yeah um, just to segue into this one thing I couldn't get off my mind during the course of this movie was uh, Ansel Elgort his uh, his costume is like a black and white baseball blazer. It's like got a um, black torso, white sleeves, and he's wearing a white shirt underneath. And as soon as he stepped out in this, I thought, oh my God, he looks like Han Solo. Even like in his face as well. He looks a yeah. little bit like a young Harrison, almost like a baby-faced Harrison Ford. And I just kind of thought, why is he not playing Han Solo in the Han Solo movie? And why is Edgar Wright not directing? Because they would do an amazing job of that. Yeah, and that they really came, would. That kind of came off the back of, um, in the news recently about the uh, Han Solo movie, the directors, uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Uh, there's been a bit of uh, a hubbub about that because, um, and various things have come out of the woodwork, uh, they have basically been fired by Disney uh, because they're not happy with where the Han Solo movie is going. Apparently, it's being far too comedic. Now, um, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, they have produced such movies as The Lego Movie, which is a great you know, uh, creative uh, comedy film, you know, family comedy. Uh, similarly, Clearly with a Chance of Meatballs and 20, 21 and 22 Jump Street. And it seems to be that Han Solo, they've gone all out comedy to the extent where um, Han Solo, played by um, Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah, I, I can never remember how to pronounce his name. Uh, is being described as uh, a young Jim Carrey as Ace Ventura. How much truth there is that? I can't quite. I don't know. These these I, are I all rumors, of course. Not. These are all rumors, but I'm. I don't believe it. Towards I don't thinking believe. there's no smoke without fire. I don't know. I, I don't believe it, but I can see it. If that was I, I the can, reason they got rid of them, I'm not sure sense. whether comparing it to Ace Ventura is like completely <laughs> off the wall comparison, or whether they're just saying it's that comedic. That's how it feels. Um, yeah. But yeah, they've been let go over it, and Ron Howard has been brought in. Ron Howard, an interesting choice because he usually does quite um, quite prestigious films. So it's weird to see him brought in on a on a Star Wars movie, um, and especially this late in the day as well, because I think they're about forty percent the w- of the way through shooting, which does yeah. raise concerns as to how the film is going to end up, whether it's going to be a a real mess of ideas or whether it's going to come well, together I think they managed to salvage Rogue One save it. Given, given what we heard about Rogue but at least that was War. the same director on it so yes, there was always yeah. a, a, at least a consistency of tone there if you've got Ron Howard having to slot in comedic takes um, from early shoots yeah. I mean personally I don't particularly want to see a Han Solo movie it wouldn't have been on the list of things that I, I want to see from the Star Wars universe because we have He's one of the main characters in the original trilogy. What more do you want? You know, similarly ab- about the yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. and t- Even some people saying, we want to see a Luke Skywalker standalone movie. Why? The original That's trilogy is his story. <laughs> <laughs> I 
if that's it was, a new hope. <laughs> one of the things I'm more interested in is Lando because he's a character we know less about, and you could bring in Han yeah. by association. I want to see a Lando movie. That's yeah. one of the few things I'm looking forward to is Donald Glover as uh, as Lando. Uh, whether he'll be have a like a real juicy part or whether he'll just be kind of throwaway, we 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 don't know. I I suspect not. They the got Donald Glover in. Um, I mean, I I want a uh, Ewan McGregor Obi Wan spin-off, really. Yeah, I I, um, you, I don't really care when it's set either. Set whenever. Obi Wan isn't particularly on my list of priorities, but I wouldn't mind seeing it. I think there's a lot more interesting stuff they could do. Um, which Jar Jar. No. Jar Jar spin-off. De- the death of Jar Jar. Whose <laughs> final days? Because <laughs> um, like Rogue One may have been the only. Maybe the only film that we get about not a particular character, but an actual story. Um, because everything else that we, we're, we're hearing is talked about is going to be particular characters like Han Solo, Obi-Wan, Boba Fett. And that's not the most interesting parts, I don't think. But Han Solo is slated for summer next year. So it's got an even sooner, it's got an even quicker turnaround. Whether it will make that date. I don't know. It may do. Whether it will suffer as a consequence of being put through like that, it's hard to see. But I'm going to be keeping a close eye on this one. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, see the resemblance. I, I thought the same when we were watching it that um, Ansel Elgort would make a great young Han Solo. But I, I thought he was too young. He looks too young. But now I'm looking at some sort of young Harrison Ford photos. I can really see it. Because uh, Alden Ehrenreich think... has has more of like a uh, more of like a chiselled like chin. I mean, so does Harrison Ford, but mm. Ansel Elgort. I, I think if Ansel Elgort really like, worked it. out a bit, he could really like chisel his face out, maybe. Because looking at some of the photos on on uh, his IMDb, you can really see the resemblance, some definite similarities. But anyway, it's not all about how he looks. Anyway, we can. You know, he, he kind of nailed the character in a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it was the it was the smirk that he did that really set me off. I was like, oh my god, those Harrison Ford in there! The, when um, he smirks in, uh, in in Baby Driver, I thought that is just the look. He, he's almost like Han Solo just in another film. If like Han Solo had been born in present day Earth and probably ended up doing the same job, to be fair, um, that that would have been superb. That's but that's something we'll sadly never see. Uh, which is no, I'm looking forward to Alden Ehrenreich anyway. I, I like him. I thought he was really good in Hail Caesar. Um, he's not really had a chance to prove himself yet, so I think he could be could be good. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got faith. Um, should we wrap up there? Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Um, I've been Max Wood. You can find me on Twitter, at Max Wood. Johnny I've been Jonathan Carley. You. you can find me on Twitter, at Jonathan underscore Carly. You can also find the podcast on Twitter and Facebook. And our email address is... Um, rhubarb. Is it underscore? Or Something is it to do with rhubarb. Rhubarb. <laughs> rhubarb podcast at gmail.com. Maybe rhubarb underscore podcast. Just Something do like that. If you can't get it right, just tweet us and then we'll then tell us the email address doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Thanks a lot, guys. Goodbye. <laughs>